0: Hope you are all well out there. I'm doing quite fine. Thank you. I love hearing from listeners every once in a while. You guys know I share things. This actually, I'm going to tell you something real quick. Freedoms I'm giving myself as a podcaster. I feel like I'm getting old. I'm going to hit 45 in the summer. At some point, you start being able to inherit certain advantages that you can take or not take, I choose on taking. One of them, my wife and I really have a disagreement on. I like when some older gentleman or woman in the South, I like when they call me young man. I like it. It's nurturing to me. Okay, I don't need everybody else to like it, but I do like it. In the South, I like to call my 20 year old server at a restaurant young man hey that was great service young man i want to say that kind of stuff i feel like i've i've earned that after 45 years of living if that makes me feel good to say and i actually know for certain that there are some 20 year old dudes and ladies who would not be offended because i asked you so that's a little disagreement We're not going to separate over it. But here is another freedom I'm going to give myself. I do still. I'm losing more and more of it every day. I think maybe I'm like 80% there As far as not caring what people think about me. I got about 20% ways to go. I still do care. Here's something I'm not going to care about anymore. I'm not going to care about coming across potentially cheesy. You can roll your eyes. You can say, man, Joey really is getting old. Or maybe a little grandfathery. My gosh, it could happen any time scientifically. But I'm thinking maybe in like six years... I could be a grandfather. Anyway, I think you get my sentiments. So Brian D messaged me, said, we all have our stories. And my story involves growing up in Pentecostalism, Charismania, me too, buddy, finding my way into evangelicalism and reform Southern Baptist Convention slash Acts 29 ism. Before walking away from God out of anger and frustration built up over a lifetime. What were you we so angry at? A God that chooses people to go to hell. <laughs> I wandered through, went through a major life event and wandered back to God, albeit through a more liberal, progressive lens. You're one of the people who are helping me hang on to belief. Although I don't practice the daily prayer and Bible reading nor jump through the hoops, they tell you that you have to jump through to be a real Christian. Thank you so much, Brian. I do appreciate it. I want to make a quick tribute to my friend, Ryan Amick. Birthday coming up soon, actually, and I'm being goofy right now. I I do think he is a great podcaster, one of my favorites to podcast with. (laughs) but he hates it. So I want to send Ryan off with a little goodbye. I have audio he recorded with Ellen and I. And let's just put it this way. I had to get permission to use this, and I haven't gotten it until now. It's just pretty sensitive, heartfelt stuff. I guess Ryan wants to go out with a bang. Okay, so before we even proceed, if you don't want middle school talk, this is when you skip it. You either say, oh, these guys like middle school talk, this podcast isn't worth my time and then move on or you just skip it and let us be middle schoolers and then go back to your business instead of going to iTunes to talk about how immature this podcast is. I actually really enjoy those comments, to be quite honest with you. In this clip, it seems as So seriously, start skipping now. It seems like Ryan would accept a lot less money to get a tattoo on his arm of genitalia. Alan and myself... We're flabbergasted by Ryan's willingness to take money to be permanently marked with a penis or a vagina. And Ryan thinks that we are full of it to think that we would have to be paid so much to do it.
1: I think I think, I think maybe it would have to be more than $100,000. What? hundred
0: thousand
2: dollars you you make too much money
1: i don't i'm a stay-at-home mom my friend
0: ryan you are not permanently permanently having oh my goodness
1: here's why because when it's hot i don't have to wear long sleeves and i don't want to be the lady with the wiener on her arm and now you I'm got no kids kid, why not why your kids yeah, maybe yeah you don't want your kids, kids to have to work and i wouldn't have
0: like some girl with her legs spread and her vagina and in, inside of my elbow i would never how
1: much would how much money
0: probably a hundred thousand
1: okay we're y'all capping it so, at a hundred
2: y'all are see i just I, I listen to y'all and i just think you're absolutely delusional if oh, you anybody pay. flashed $50,000 in front of your face, you would do it in a heartbeat.
0: And I could never take it off?
1: Yeah. Can Can uh, I get it? No. But see, my immediately I was like, well, I'll just get it covered up. But see, the rule is you just have to have this big wiener on your arm. Oh, no, it no, would no, have no. to You're be if if it's like a cartoon wiener or an anatomically correct wiener. Yeah, yeah. we're not there. talking
0: about like a gross, like, yeah.
1: Veiny. But rainy, I don't want to see with like
0: little bumps on it. No, we're not doing no. like that. I don't want to see a a girl with her legs open on my arm every day. I'll okay. feel like the sleazeball.
1: For if it's a cartoon wiener, I would do it for fifty.
0: Fifty. Okay. Deal. What if it I was, was like,
1: thinking something more grotesque?
0: All right. All
1: right. Here's I on. should go be a parent now. All
0: right. Love all.
1: You are welcome for the penis and tattoo talk, and we wish you well, Ryan. But you are dead to us now until Jesus comes back.
0: So a couple of things about this episode, I guess both of them is that 20% of caring what other people think about me. Well, the first one is the second one. And the first one is there is a hit in the sound quality of this episode. It's actually all in my audio. And it's because I'm not a sound engineer by any means. And I'm saying it so that when you hear it, you'll think, wow, it really wasn't that big of a deal, Joey. You didn't have to mention it instead of hearing it and saying, oh, well, little little technical stuff going on there. Two completely different ways of hearing it. Here's the other thing that I thought worth sharing. I sat down, thought about it a lot, wrote down some thoughts. But in this episode, I was with buddies. And I like being with buddies. I like, I like how it feels. And when I say buddies, that is not gender specific for me, at least. That's not what that word means but I realized in real time in this episode, how easy it was for me to be lighthearted around saying something. I don't even want to say it right now. I'm actually too uncomfortable to say it without you hearing it in context. And I do feel that God did something in my heart when Robbie was talking about the significance of the weight of history. And these are my words, not his necessarily. Maybe yet another milestone for me in seeing the hearts of one of my favorite races. If not favorite, you can say that, right? I mean, you really got to be thinking a lot of yourself if you're upset that your race isn't my favorite. I mean, I can have a favorite race anyway. In this episode, horribly convicted and my friend responds graciously was a huge awakening to an aspect of my white privilege that I didn't know was there. So I could be wrong, but here's how and why I think certain things play out in my head due to white privilege. So when it comes to my African American brothers and sisters, my words, my thoughts, my actions, they're all coming from a person who isn't carrying anything because of that part of our history. Like, I can mourn slavery and I do, and I do while watching a movie or seeing something racially injustice happen in my backyard, so to speak, or all of the reminders here in Charleston of that grim part of history. But then I go back to my life. But you guys, you carry it. That's family. You have stories of grandparents that you actually met and lost your heart to. And then you hear how someone so great like your grandma or grandpa could be treated in such a vile way. I do not know what it feels like to be connected heart and heart, head and head, knowing that just two generations ago, everything was segregated. I don't carry this weight, these stories of grandma. I'm not Beating myself up. I don't think I'm a bad person. I do believe it's an accurate portrayal of what's going on in my head, though. And I know people make fun, they say that I constantly refer to having black friends, but I grew up in public schools in the South in the late 80s and 90s. So unless your family that you were in was overtly racist, and or you were rich in a very prestigious neighborhood, at least 99% white people, unless you fell into one of those categories, you had black friends in your neighborhood. I appreciate and realize how rich this was for me to have black people demystified. My friends that I played Nintendo with, we were just trying to beat Bowser together. We just had to blow into the Nintendo cartridges, squeeze them to get them to work. Not sure if that's what made it finally work or the jiggling around of the reset button. Younger generation, move on. You have no idea what I'm talking about. But as I think about this episode, I realize how oblivious I was at that age to your world. Friends who grew up a seven-minute walk away, who probably had contempt. Completely different experiences that I had growing up here in the South. I say probably because I don't want to speak for them. And I wonder, was that innocence good or was it at your expense? I don't know. If I understood race better, could I have helped you, mentored you into beating Mike Tyson on Mike Tyson's punch out? Because that's what we were busy doing together or trying to school each other in basketball. Part of me appreciates that innocence and part of me believes it would have served me well but I'm shaped by all of this I feel like I may get glimpses of reality outside my bubble every now and then and I hope for more but I do think it's one of those things that's just been so deeply programmed complete freedom is not on this side I don't think so here's two of our reoccurring hosts of Past with no answers Matt Oxley and Robbie Madison <laughs> All right, so Robbie, as past with no answers host, we all get to know each other. You've gotten to know Hayne a little bit, and I wanted to let you know. And not, uh, nothing against anybody else, but I've I've known you longer than most people. And Hayne kind of hurt my feelings. He said that he said every time I get you on this podcast, I have to make sure people know you're black. It's like that's not true, man. Do do I does it? Do you ever feel that way? Like when you come on the podcast? I have to I have to do something to make sure of it. <laughs> do you ever feel that way? I mean, initially when you were coming on the podcast, it was because you and I were in conversations about race right. and I was learning a lot and everything because I was just so oblivious growing up in the South with black and white friends. I just right. thought we were all fine. And so as an adult, I'm starting to talk to people like you who I consider peers. Right. And learning a lot,
2: but... Yeah, I think, I don't think that you always say that, but I think like whenever there's probably a racial context, you probably explain that just for context for gotcha. other people. Gotcha. Obviously, like we were together every day for the past six years, like yeah. we were always, you know, together. So it wasn't necessarily something that that we talked about, but yeah, I, I don't... I never got offended by it. <laughs> okay.
0: You know, you know what I did realize? I'm curious what you guys think about this. I see a lot of white people around their black friend or friends, and they'll basically ag- acknowledge them. In that sort of way, they'll make like a joke like, yeah, you know, you're black, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, gosh, I hate when they do that. But, Robbie, I find black guys when they are around a lot of white people and they're by far the minority, you guys do the same thing. Y'all make a little little wisecracks <laughs> yeah. about you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's like a comfort thing or, or, or what. But
3: uh, I think that's just how men bond is we make fun of one another or we pick on some sort of trait. Right. That's it's just true. how that's how we do things. That's see,
0: I, we we have to dig deeper into that sometime. I don't want to do that right now, Matt, but I, it, that's that's crazy coming out of your mouth. I do have like I, out of my mouth. I, well, I feel like you and I are close <laughs> friends, but I, there's still so much. I don't really know how you see things, but I know that you are what a lot of people would call woke. And here you are basically oh. saying, man, I need a, a men are such a way. Like, it, isn't that something <laughs> that you don't say anymore? Oh, I mean. Men well, are such no, a way.
3: I, man, I a lot of woke culture is so silly. I, I think it's silly whenever you can't use a generality. When you when everybody knows what a generality no, is, you're just making a general statement. I agree. I mean. You don't have to make a big deal out of that. It's so weird. Exactly. Uh, a lot of people
0: really do. Yeah, that. it's like, can you not make an observation? I'll, I'll give you an example. Priscilla and I were talking about this the other day, you know who the worst tippers Are I served tables for a really long time, and I have no problem saying, here's an observation, everyone. The greatest generation, those folks that fought in World War II, those mothers who grew up in the Depression, (laughs) they think they are doing you a great favor by giving you three quarters because they're like, you didn't even earn that. I'm giving you this extra. The worst tippers are a bunch of old white women who are there without their Husband. You know who the second worst white tipplers are? A group of black women. They're not as bad as the white women, but they are almost as bad. It's just an observation. Get his ass, Robbie. Go for it. It's just an observation.
3: Get his ass.
2: Joey, you're so canceled. I'm just playing. (laughs) He's scared to death.
0: Isn't that like an observation? Like, isn't
2: that just... I feel like... You know, because I, I served at a restaurant for a while, too. I didn't understand that waiters don't even get paid. Well, it was like $2 an hour.
3: Right. $2.53. Like I don't think they realize that.
2: Because of the tips. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had a lady one time, like her bill was something like 45 bucks. She paid me with a $100 bill, asked for change, which of course I didn't have that 55 bucks and. Change, but I went to my manager and got it and she didn't leave a tip at all. <laughs> it was like her and her two grown behind sons. They were both like in their 40s and she bought them lunch and didn't even leave me a tip. I was so <laughs> livid. I was so <laughs> livid, you know, but yeah, I think they just don't realize. They think that you earn at least minimum wage.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and I guess where I'm getting at too is I think that if we're not able to if we're not allowed to say, "Hey, a certain demographic, they just it seems like they don't tip well," then I feel like we are we got our hands tied around our behind our back with saying fun things like, "Robbie, I, you and I have talked about this. I really love the community family feel of black families i think you guys do community well still and that's like a really big deal for me if i I just think these things are beautiful things about races and maybe i'm even wrong maybe that isn't a a black thing that's what i've come to observe in in the south but that's nothing but a a good thing and then saying that old uh, white and black women are, are bad tippers i'm not saying anything derogatory necessarily i think they grew up in the depression and they all didn't know how to get along without putting everything aside. I mean, my grandma in 2005, I found uh, frozen blackberries in her freezer from 1994. <laughs> and I said, Grandma, we wow. need to throw these out. She was just like, why? They've been frozen. They're fine.
2: And she's serious. You get Oh, yeah. I mean, to- I feel like there's definitely cultural and subcultural differences. And people, you know, in the United States, you know, even though we're the same country, there's so many subcultural differences that we're not made aware of really. And sometimes, yeah, like you said, like I think that making generalities for the sake of being general is okay. I think when it gets to derogatory land, that's when yeah. it starts to get over over the line. But, yeah. but I remember when I was living in Argentina, the beginning with very limited Spanish. I would invite people to lunch. You say yeah. te invito, like I invite you to lunch. I had no idea that when you say I invite you, that means that you're paying for it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, I just wanted you to come, (laughs) you know, but like, but yeah, like they, they, you know, because you go into situations where now you're splitting the bill, they're embarrassed because they don't have the money to pay the bill, you know, but you don't know that because of the cultural difference. And I think it's just as vast with other things here in the States too.
0: I don't I don't y'all love the irony that I started this episode by saying, Robbie, I don't get you on here and and talk about black stuff all the time. And this is all we've talked about. But (laughs) I did want to like I was when I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the word woke. it, It really I was like, oh, my gosh, woke is something that I don't want to be known for. But I also don't want to be known for not being. It's such, a, yeah. it's such a label that I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. Please don't say that I'm not woke because then that makes me feel like I'm extremely uneducated or callous to change. Don't call me woke too, because I've got this thing in my head made up. And I thought Ellen made a really good point. It's like, what, what do we do? Because I'll be the first one to admit when I say woke, it is usually derogatory. It's usually those woke people what i'm not saying is the progression that our society made is is silly i'm not saying that i just think there is a group of people that are a little bit too out there and sometimes they don't realize they're causing more trouble than what they are that's just my opinion and so when i say the woke crowd that's i'm talking about a a remnant but isn't that crazy would y'all t- own the woke
2: label i actually never uh heard that perspective of woke being a negative really thing so that was news to me i just more so viewed it as a sense of enlightenment so only white
0: straight guys uh see woke as a joke i get it go ahead
2: (laughs) more uh yeah something like that i guess (laughs) yeah so even i've had friends that You know, our conversations have evolved over the years, whereas like they they have realized things that I didn't even realize as a black person. They're, you know, the other black friends that have explained things to me that have been a part of their experience that was not a part of my experience. And so then later on, years down the line, it's like now I'm made aware of this or I'm awakened to it yeah, or, or I'm woke. And I'm like, oh, I see that as a positive thing personally. Yeah here here i am walking around in charleston all gaslighted and just, right. you know <laughs> amongst everything and, and yeah. not realizing that the intentionality behind some of the things that i was surrounded by it is like
3: waking up when i was when i was younger and i mean you guys are in the south too you you hear racism all the time but you don't realize it sometimes. Yeah. Like I there are terms that I did not know were racist that I found out were racist later because they were used in the right context and so I was like, "Oh shit." Yeah. That's what that means, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of the kind of stuff that surrounds you. I'm from a pretty racist southern town. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rough around here. And I've always had a a deep conviction that something was really wrong with that. Yeah. Not that I necessarily understood it and knew the history mm-hmm. behind our country. And that's the part that's the, the awakening. part yeah. is yeah. like you're learning that everything you've been taught has some sort of slant to
0: yeah. it. Yeah. Even the most that, innocent yeah, things that may be, have a slant. I, now, I know it sounds silly to say it this way. It's just how I think, but that may be the way to go is just yeah. kind of own the term. I mean, I, I owned e- evangelical for a very long time when I didn't feel... Oh, that's a terrible... Yeah, like, and I didn't really feel like I resonated with it, but I was like, I mean, I know what people think of what when they think of that, and I know that's me, but I didn't like the label. I will say this before we go into a little bit of statue talk. I'm going to talk to some of the ladies about this too. One of the great things for me about like, Robbie, you've been on here a lot through the years anyway. So it's not like a new thing for you. But the regularity of hosts coming in, I think it's so important for me, at least because I do want to push the envelope in conversations. And I feel like I have surrounded myself with People who know me, I'm not going to be canceled. And here's what I mean by that is y'all aren't going to let me get away with, with saying something irresponsibly or even as an accident. You guys are friends enough to bring that to my attention and say, Hey, that's actually not a cool thing, but you know, my heart and you know my intentions and, and you would just know, Oh, Joey didn't mean that. I can explore with you guys. So I I hate using this terminology, but it's like there's safe conversations and I do think safe conversations are dying out, especially publicly. But I know that Matt knows my heart. If I say something insensitive about the LGBTQ community, if it angers Matt, then Matt and I are going to be okay. He can tell me we can talk about it and we'll be fine because he knows my heart. If I say something insensitive about a, a woman, oh my gosh, Liz is like my little sister. She can talk about it. And I really, really am excited about that. Yeah, in
3: this small group you can expect that. You can have those expectations. But once you have something that's out there for the public, like that's where right. Right. the cancel cancel culture really gets different. You know, you can have mob mentality there. And that if I wanted to cancel you, I would just say, hey, you should apologize for that thing you did. You need to repent. Right. That would be the 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 bulk of it. If this were a public thing and you, you were to make some public faux pas, you would have to very skillfully learn how to apologize to the right people in the right way. Yeah. Or you're going to deal with a mob. And mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But, and, some people don't mind that. I
2: mean, yeah, maybe, and maybe
0: you'll enjoy it. I don't mind... like i don't mind a mob and and i i don't see myself in this light to even be a, a target of a mob i don't i don't mind the outcry of the mob and if i was ever in that situation as kind of a victim so to speak i wouldn't even mind saying hey let me respond to you guys i'm sorry but some of the things that i've played out what the mob expects out of someone else you know what you're basically wanting them to say i understand completely the extent of your anger why you're angry i fully grasp Everything I did and not only have I told you sorry, but I also can tell you that I am just disgusted by my behavior and maybe I should take a break from being in the public eye for five years. Like that seems to be that seems to be what what people want. Mm -hmm. But again, I think that's a remnant. There was an episode, Dr. Kerry Lattimore, and he wrote a book, and I'll put it in the show notes, basically on the bravery of the history of African Americans, you know, starting from Africa, coming over here in America, and many of them heroes that you and I have probably never heard of. Awesome book. Robbie and Dr. Lattimore, and I'll just say Dr. Lattimore is also African-American, and they made a case that you don't really hear nowadays, and Robbie, even feel free if, if I'm explaining it wrong, but it seems as simple as you guys being people that say we're Christian men, you would also say as a Black Christian male, if if I'm the target of racism because I am black, I'm still not going to cancel that person. And it's not because I'm not angry. It's not because I don't think that it's unjust. It's just because I feel like Jesus calls us to something else, calls us to uh, a higher standard, to love our enemies. My gosh, can you get any clearer?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely um, a good summation, definitely a generalization within that I will say as a black person, everybody's at a different place in their level of healing, in their level of wanting, you know, unity or, or uh, forward movement, I would say, even within this. Because the reality is all of us have some sort of prejudice. Um, obviously, in America, the big one was black, white, right. um, and slavery. And um, that's a big one that we are still recovering from that people still try to ignore. But the reality is that the the symptoms of it has seeped into so much of our life whether we notice it or not um into not only the systems of our life but also the way that we interact with each other and so there's so many times when there are racial things happening there are offenses that are happening that aren't necessarily intended or or that people are really aware that they're doing or saying yeah and so to you know if somebody's saying something that's offensive to you and if you if your immediate reaction is to just like you know, cancel them or just like write them off. Number one, there's no reconciliation of that relationship. There's no forward movement, and there, that therefore the racism still exists. It, it just perpetuates instead of actually actually educating and, and trying to solve th- something head on
0: yeah I, and I, and I think that's something that I'm constantly having to remind myself I, I, At one point, I felt like I was almost compromising, oh, okay, maybe maybe it's just not as simple as loving my enemies, but what I'm learning is, no, it is that simple. It's just not as complicated and challenging for me. As it would be for a minority. I mean, I I, I really do think that's something that I I Mm -hmm. just have to constantly remind myself of without without losing my pursuit to love all enemies, including people who are racist assholes, considering who my one of my best friends is that conversation with you guys it was one of those times where I was like I cannot believe I didn't bring this up and not because I thought it would be like super juicy is because I would have died to know what y'all would say about this but I gotta ask you Robbie like how do you feel you and I both live in a town that is very very historical and it is very much so southern and so there is a lot of slavery history here we've talked about Mm -hmm. plantations and all of that stuff I am daring enough to maybe flaunt some of my ignorance as, as, as a white guy. But here's how I throw this out there. I would say there's two types of slave owners for me. First of all, all slavery is bad. All of it is despicable. All of it is unjust. And no one has an excuse. And no one can say, hey, I was a good slave owner. Not saying that there's no such thing as a good slave owner. You owned someone. However, I think there's a difference between someone who grew up and that's all they knew and all they saw of grandma and grandpa is, is treating Miss Bessie really nicely. And she's also really good to us. She takes care of us. She raises us. This is just a, a great thing that I grew up with and they don't see any violence. And I can't get to a place where I would say every single person who owned a slave Deserve to be canceled. I'll I'll put it this way: Where do we draw the line? Because we've already discovered this. But here's what we're gonna cancel next: There's a whole generation. Well, let's just, I e, the vast majority of humanity's existence, where men very much so abusive, those sorts of things. Everybody's dealing with that sort of stuff. Mm, It's just, it's it's just fleshly nature. However, there's a whole different ball game when we're talking about someone who was known for how audacious they were as a slave owner and they just they didn't treat them as humans they treated them as cattle and I I know that probably sounds super ignorant I just think that it's it's so tough because like I said we're gonna eventually have to just cancel every man that was born in the (laughs) 1930s and before yeah probably probably a good idea to be honest
3: (laughs) 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 In Miss Bessie's example, like, she's doing that to survive. She's being the nice, sweet black lady that is endeared by your family so that she can survive. Right. She's fictitious, by the way. That's where that's. Yeah, I know. But but like, I've, I've heard that before, like there's a guy in my town wait
0: wait time is, out before like you I proceed because i think it's really important i'm not saying so isn't that just sweet isn't that just so no, awesome no, no, that know. they all love each other i'm saying from a kid's perspective they're like yeah, i love this lady perspective as a child. like please don't yeah. le- let this lady leave me like this is my world no you don't know that but she knows that right. and i guess that's the
3: she's aware that she is surviving
0: right so robbie you if someone said, let's just remove all the statues of anyone who ever owned slaves. I'd be like, okay, that must be what we need to do as a society.
2: Right. You know, I think that there's certain ones that there's certain situations that really warrant it. When we think about our values as a, as a society, if, you know, if you want to wear the label of American, then that comes with a certain level of values that are listed to that. And I think per person, that changes per person, what, what your priority of those values are. First of all, if somebody went on, if there was like a picture of somebody slapping your mother, and then it was on display for everyone to walk by and to see every day, then it would grieve someone, right? Yeah. And that's not even close yeah. to slavery. That's just somebody yeah. slapping your mama. And you, you know, yeah. it, and you would take it so personally, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not trying so,
0: to, you're not trying to, but I'm, I'm being, oh, I'll, I'll use the word convicted. Yeah, I am yeah. not trying to, but it's healthy, it's healthy. Word, it's
2: but it, you know oh. what I'm saying? Like, it's like it, it, when we talk about these issues, it's so easy to make it not personal. And, but the, the reality is that when you walk by a statue, you're walking by a reminder of what that represents every day. So, for example, when I was living in Colombia and it was all about the Confederate flag and everybody was arguing about this and that about the Confederate flag, it wasn't necessarily the flag. It was the reminder. It was walking by that every single day. It was walking by watching yourself get slapped in the face every single day and everybody being okay with that. You know, and I was thinking this like in relation to just gentrification in general, you know, I grew up in a predominantly black community in Mount Pleasant, which everybody thinks Mount Pleasant in Charleston is white, rich, they call it Mount Plastic. But, you know, it, it was predominant, you know, it was it was definitely a high percentage black and downtown actually was as well. Yeah, if you say house.
0: you're from Mount Pleasant, no, no one assumes there's a hood there. You know, right, I mean, right. pretty much.
2: Yep. But, you know, literally, and Joey, you've been to my neighborhood, actually, where my grandmother's house was. There's a fence in the back of my neighborhood that used to not be there when my mom was growing up. Because on the other side of the fence, there's a body of water that has now been considered luxury. It belongs to the Ion community, which is a luxury wow. community. They built a fence around my neighborhood that my parents, my my mom used to swim in because now, you know, they they section that off. So that, that way it can be just for a richer, uh, more upper class part of Mount Pleasant, my hometown. And, you know, it's like all generally people who aren't even from there. So it's a it's a different reality, yeah. you know. And and so the thing is, is that if we're going to say that we're Americans and we're going to say that we actually value all people, we value unity, we value being one, and we celebrate and we want people to all succeed, no matter color, race, gender, all of that. But then we're going to put up reminders in public spaces that they have to walk by and just remind them of of, of who you were and what your status was. I think that that's a little bit. I, I feel like it's a little bit contradictory. I don't think that the argument necessarily is about removing statues because I think when people are talking about removing statues they're they're really talking about relocating statues. Yeah, I mean, it would take them. a really
0: long time to take down the Washington Monument. Like a really long time to take that one
2: down. That would be that would be a little tough. But like, <laughs> <laughs> plus, in Hamilton, he was really cool in, in Hamilton the musical. <laughs>
0: Imagine but, a bunch of <laughs> high school kids—they're just feeling a little bit energetic. They're like, well, they're, "We're going to take that motherfucker down right there. We, we got, got that. Mom. We got that Washington <laughs> Monument."
2: <laughs> yeah. But I do, yeah, I I do agree. Like there's obviously like all of us make mistakes. All of us are are fallen, but we also have the capacity to do a lot of good too. I feel like when you talk about cancel culture, a lot of that means that you find out one bad thing or a flaw about someone or a hang up about someone. You don't try to help them, but you discredit every other good thing that they did. You know, and I think that's kind of over overboard. I, I think that there should be a little bit more focus on helping people and the contributions that will help us move forward. Yes. Um, but the slavery thing, thats that was a huge thing. It was like running corporate companies of right. people, yeah. you know, of, of slaves that were being mistreated, dehumanized, right. and a culture that was built off of that. And when it right. comes to the children that had black slaves that grew up with them, I, I do agree that there is a sentiment there. But at the same time, I also agree that the, the The person that was working for them is an adult generally they're an adult they're of conscious mind they're they're they are very aware of their status and the lines that they're not allowed to cross because uh, because white America said that slaves were not even capable of surviving without their slave owners. They made scientific journals that actually justified quote unquote justified. That because that that African Americans weren't capable in academic level to actually survive without their slave owners. Jeez. Anytime somebody tried to escape slavery, they wrote it off as psychosis. There's literally medical journals of psychosis, and they're only conditions that pertain to black slaves that either destroy the slave owner's property or try to escape from it. So anyway, I could go on, but, but yep. yeah, that's a part of
3: it. <laughs> have all of the Confederate monuments been removed in Charleston? I know at least one of the big ones was
2: removed. John C. Calhoun, then removed. That was a big, yeah. big deal. Was it two years we ago? We still,
3: we have one in our town and I've been trying to get rid of it for years. Yeah. And, uh, it is, it is such a blight on my community. It's so embarrassing knowing mm. that people come into my community and that's the first thing they see. Yeah. And it's a tacit endorsement of the mindset of people in the 20s yeah. who wanted to make black people feel subjugated. And people were lynched on that monument. Yeah. People have been lynched on it, and it still stands in my town. Mm. It is disgusting. And the same people that defend it so much also call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they're choosing to worship that god of the of the monument and the flag and the Civil War yeah. and their ancestors and all that. They're trying to worship that over anything that might look like Christian love.
2: Right. W- Dude, I was just going to say, like, you know, I just came back from England. It's always an interesting dynamic because they obviously don't have the dynamic of black people in America and slavery and all that as a context. And so there's always some awkwardness that happens while I'm there. And I, I stayed on at a certain point, I stayed with some friends and their mom gave you know how I am I gave her a big old hug I was like oh my gosh so good to see you again uh whatnot and I stayed at their their mom's house and later on I found out that like the mom had questions of whether they should like warn their grandchild Whoa. not wa- not like warn them but like prepare her you know because like a heads I was coming up. over yeah and like maybe have a conversation like won't she be nervous? Won't she be, you know, uncomfortable? Now, was it because
0: they saw you as potentially dangerous or they were coming from a, you're not used to black people. So we don't want you to act shocked because an African-American walked in your house. Like what was their
2: intent? I don't think it was, it was definitely because I was black and it would be like basically like first black person encounter and you're staying at their house and you know, that kind of deal. And yeah, it was, it was interesting because the, my original friend, like he's American, so he knows lots of dynamics and he's gracefully having this conversation uh, with her. And it was just so interesting because, you know, like for us, like our, I thought our relationship was cool and I think it is cool. I just think that that's just a mark of the generation yeah. and, and the, and a town that doesn't have any black people in it. Yeah. But then what, you know, what disturbed me way more than that, than that, because I'm actually used to like that kind of conversation, what disturbed me more than that. So he said they still practice blackface in in that town and with like theater <laughs> i know I, no literally, way. I literally was so wait wait shocked. wait you have
0: to you have to tell our listeners some people don't know what what you're what talking blackface about is. yeah
2: i was oh that my gosh. is unreal i literally thought he was joking he was like no like yeah, so at <laughs> Blackface in the early late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, when the creation of vaudeville and music musical theater, white slave owners, but also just white people in general, they created these versions of theater that were they were farce, they were comical. I cannot believe it. And this. basically white people would paint their face their faces black. And they would over-exaggerate features that they thought were, you know, like they would paint giant lips on their face, huge noses. They would put their hair in unkempt hairstyles, things like that, that were making fun of Black people. And then they would act in a way like they would always like scratch themselves to make it look like the Black people were dirty And, like, all these things. And that was normal comedy in late 1800s.
0: And you're telling me (laughs) this is still going on in the
2: 2020s in England? Oh, my gosh. I was dying. I was like, let me meet them. Let me meet them. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I I literally taught this to my musical theater class last year in Charleston. Wow. You know, where Judy – I showed videos of Judy Garland, which people don't know this, of her performing – in blackface and how embarrassing and I'm sure, I'm sure she wishes she could take it back, but that was in the, what the forties.
0: Yeah. Hey, I mean, just for context, Jimmy Fallon on Saturday night live did blackface, but it was making fun of racist assholes. It wasn't saying, ha ha ha. That was funny, but still like, but still like five years ago, he apologized because he was, he was in line to be canceled because of it. Like, so, yeah, that's that, I cannot believe that, Robin. You could move there and get a lot of
2: acting. <laughs> Yo, I would light up that stage, man. I would. <laughs> I would <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, can't, I couldn't. Mm.
0: So you, I learned this from you. I, I, I didn't even really. I, I It's just things I don't think about. Like you actually said that it can be intimidating for you to walk into a room of and you may have said that there's a level of intimidation every single time you walk into a room where it's only white. people. Is there ever a time, though, when you're just like, I'm loving this. I'm going to light things <laughs> up walking in Yeah, like and I know and I know it, it's not an arrogant <laughs> (laughs) way because i know how you are because i i I don't know i kind of see it going both ways for me Uh, is there ever a time you're like what's up
2: um (laughs) you know maybe maybe there is some like if it's (laughs) i would say like if it if it feels like it's gonna be in my favor like for example like say there's there's like a gig that i'm going to and i'm like the only black person motown or something like super very much African-American roots, yeah. then I'll feel like a leg up in that situation probably, you know, there. But I was in a group of all white people. I'm, at this point, I kind of am so used to sticking out. Yeah. That I'm always a little bit uncomfortable in almost every situation. <laughs> so.
0: yeah. yeah. It's it's tough to admit this, but one of the things that I think took the longest for me to actually even pay any attention to is any sentiment along the lines of paying Black people back for what the the slave labor was. And I, I, obviously, no one could wrap their mind around how to even do that. But for the first time in my that. life, that doesn't sound completely... Silly and ridiculous, and I and 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 I'll, I'll say this: I haven't thought about it in a few years, so it's one of those things to where I haven't really stumbled upon them in, my, in in my mind. But it's the first time that I've thought about that concept and didn't be like, "Come on, that's just too far." It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm 100 percent on board with reparations. That's I
3: think you know, millions of people were killed yeah. in that slave trade, just killed babies ripped away from mamas, like just. It was a horrible, horrible institution. And everything that we think we know about it is whitewashed. Everything. It's all made to make us look a little bit better than we actually are. But it, it was a lot worse than even our beginning to fathom it could be. We, we can't even imagine.
2: Yeah. Yep. And that's the thing is that people are okay with that. You know, they're okay with yeah. talking about moving a statue, but they're not okay with talking about with owning up to gentrification, moving into a neighborhood Like my my the the house that my grandparents bought, they were there for over seventy years in Mount Pleasant. Yeah, on their their land, right? You know, and many people, as soon as they died, that land was taken over. The house was knocked down. A mansion was built over the top of it because it was Mount Pleasant. Yeah, you know, and like all that history was just gradually getting wiped away. But the thing about reparations for me, I don't you know, I won't say that I'm a scholar on on all of this stuff, you know, and I'm not definitely not a scholar on that. But the thing about it for me is that when you have a generation of people that you have deprived education, you've deprived work, equal work, and you've deprived um, ownership of land and wealth then yes, that that to me, that's what makes it make sense to me. Because the the way to earn wealth is by owning things, owning land and having things that you can work for yourself. But number one, if you have to work extra hard to get an educ, not only to get an education, but to get accepted to a school, I can't tell you how many auditions I did at my performing arts school that I grew up going to, how many auditions I did for talented young black people that could sing somebody under the table. They could sing way better than half of those auditions, but they couldn't tell you what a treble clef was. They couldn't tell you what an eighth note was. They couldn't tell you what a, a Gosh, measure was. And yeah. they couldn't tell you what those things were. So they weren't going to get accepted, even though they were way more talented to all those people that could afford private lessons right. that were telling them information that they were going to learn at the school anyway. You right. know what I'm saying? So like there's there's a little there's there's resource differences there's hurdles there's handicaps there's all those things and those are the things because you grow up and you see black people in your classes you think everything's equal but it's not
0: Are you disappointed in me a little bit just a little bit And you no Yeah no
2: right. Oh, <laughs> That's just that's just you know that's just like a picture of the reality of what right. it is you know Right so.
0: No it that uh, uh, that did Grieve me a little bit, but in a good way. I want to tell you guys, uh, we can wrap this up here because I I really, I, I was like, who do I want to share this with on air? Because I just thought it was the craziest thing ever. I was a chaperone for a trip to Orlando. My son plays trumpet at the same school that Robbie majored in trumpet at. Yes. Robbie actually, <laughs> yeah. So proud, I'm proud uncle from. moment. So for, proud <laughs> for, for Robbie. Well, we go to Orlando and we had, we basically just. Just got to the park, and I'm a and I'm a chaperone, and I'm watching this play out, and I'm thinking, is this guy just like because I'll do I'll say funny stuff that I think is funny, nobody else thinks is funny, outlandish, and I make people uncomfortable, and I thought this was maybe what this guy was doing. I'm watching a different school, like a different group of kids, and I, I don't know, I don't know if it was their. Like tour guide or or what but there if you're not familiar with universal studios there's this big old globe that rotates it says universal studios you can google it and everybody takes a picture on it because they're happy that they're there and they want a little memory so they get their pictures taken and this tour guide or whoever it is he literally says really loud hold up we have to wait until it it turns around to North America, the wrong side, wrong side. And, and he's, you know, he's got a badge, he's got a clipboard, like he's doing something professional. So he's like some sort of tour guide. And I, I really wanted to know if another peer of mine thought it sounded as crazy as I did, but does that not sound outlandish? Like we have got to get this picture taken when it's North America. Is that not how, is that not unbelievable? Like, Screw the rest of the people on this planet. They mean nothing. We've got to get our homeland in the back. I just thought it was funny. I thought it was <laughs> that <funny>. is weird.
2: <laughs> I think he probably. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was assuming that everybody was from North America. He was, but who cares? It's the Earth. Like that's I, our planet. I, mean, I agree. I agree with you, but I think he. I don't think he was thinking about that. I think he was just thinking. <laughs> Let's wait till your country rolls around. Look at
0: Robbie being so understanding. I'm trying to paint this guy as like very, very insensitive, and Robbie's like he just he just likes the continent, man. Right? <laughs> he just likes his continent. I'll
2: be like.